This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Happy Friday, everyone, from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson. I'm here with the music director and director of content at Vocalo Radio 91 in Chicago, Ayana Contreras. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. We've got one of the hosts of NPR's Alt Latino and no relation to Ayana, Felix Contreras. What's happening, team? <laughs> it is great to have you. And also from NPR Music, Sheldon Pierce. Hello, hello. Great to have you all here. We are talking about the best albums out today, starting with Burna Boy. Burna Boy's new album is called I Told Them, and this song is Big Seven. First of all, pressing peace, virgin, I blow, don't spill no drink on my clothes when I'm Louis B dripping. Don't like stress in my dome, straight to the head when I'm 1942 sipping. Been wavy since morning, not to talk to me in public. My drink with a little money Smoke my weed to be glad Oh, Lamborghini driver Rory 458, Italia I really, really spent a million Just two Richard Millies And I'm from willy-nilly to the city Burna Boy, self-described Afrofusionist Has been at the forefront of West African pop stateside breakthrough But he's also advanced his sound As much as any other artist His 2019 album African Giant was not only a politically charged call for Pan-Africanism, but a deeply considered rethinking of the music often referred to as Afrobeats. In its wake, he has sort of ushered in what felt like an evolution in the form. So I told them, as the title implies, is about just desserts. It's about uh, looking back and pointing at the trail that he's blazed. With hindsight, it's clear Berna was right about a lot of things. Afropop's place in the zeitgeist, his own place in its vanguard, and how little sonic distance you have to travel to get to from one point to another along the diaspora. To that end, this album sort of funnily distinctly feels his least African sound. They say if it ain't broke, don't fix it, so... Just as his last album's lead single, Love Damini, flipped, um, Tony Braxton, um, I Told Them, flips Brandy. I can help you shit on anybody ever hated. And baguettes got you feeling like you made it. Everything advanced, nothing that I do is basic. Me and Rolls Royce on a first name basis. The song features the rapper 21 Savage, and the album also spotlights the UK star Dave, the platinum with no features legend J. Cole. The album, on the whole, it's less traditional and less rhythmic. Songs like City Boys and Cheat On Me don't even scan as Burna Boy songs right away, but I think this might be truest ever to his Afro-fusionist ideal. He really almost gets to the center of a synthesized sound that incorporates African music and R&B and rap all into this one sort of thing that is pulling from all directions equally. 
He even says, Berna, in a recent interview for the LA Times, that growing up, a lot of the music that they heard on the radio was just American music. And so, like, in the water, right? Like, there was this sort of conception of pan-Africanism and a lot of different things happening, and maybe not just African. Also pop sounds, also rock sounds, also country sounds. There's just, like, a lot of things happening. By Burna Boy standards, this record feels closer to American pop than probably anything he's done before, and that feels like an intentional move, something that he wants to showcase. Well, I would also argue that pop music right now is more African than it's ever been. You know, it's just yeah, the definitely. influence of Afrobeats on quote-unquote popular Western music is dizzying. Yeah, he in part is responsible for that shift too. And I think this is sort of a nod to his own position in that uh, in that break. Yeah, well, and he's meeting at this perfect spot because so much contemporary pop music and R&B is hearkening back to a lot of the sounds of the 90s. You know, you mentioned Sitting on Top of the World, which uh, interpolates Brandy's song, Top of the World. You know, so, so like he clearly grew up loving the, the pop and R&B and hip hop of the 90s, but like he's kind of meeting pop music there as, as well. Like he helped drag pop music to that point, but it's sort of all coming together on this record. That's Burna Boy. His new album is I Told Them. Let's go next to Victoria Monet. Victoria Monet's new album is Jaguar 2. This song, which features Lucky Day, is called Smoke. My first thought listening to Jaguar 2 is this album needs to be heard driving around in Baldwin Hills. And if that's a deep cut for you, it's sort of an upper middle class black area in Los Angeles where kind of, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't call it bougie per se, but the stars shine a little brighter up there. It just felt like that. It had that kind of glossy feel. I think this album is really the fruit of a lot of collaborations, but also highlights sort of her unique contribution. She's a songwriter-producer who's worked with Chloe and Halle on songs like Do It, Ariana Grande on many collaborations among many other folks. Speaking of collaborators and features, in addition to Smoke, you've got Buju Banta on it on a track called Party Girls. You've got Earth, Wind & Fire on a track called Hollywood. You've got Kei Tronada on All Right. There's a lot of ground being covered. There's a song called Stop Asking that actually feels very Silk Sonic-y, which is logical because D. Mile, who co-wrote and produced an evening with Silk Sonic, also co-produced this album. Also, you've got jazz flutist Elena Penderhughes, who contributed composition and production on a lot of these tracks as well. So there's a very well-rounded sort of lesson in Black American music situation happening here. One of my favorite tracks actually is Cadillac, which feels like Lost Outcast cut, kind of like Spody 2, like if there was a thing. Long for coats, 
tissue though of these tracks is Victoria's own glossy soulfulness which really just it just kind of envelops you and makes you just want more it's a really really beautiful well-rounded album I would say that she's not quite a household name yet even though she's obviously collaborated on a lot of tracks that were or been behind a lot of tracks that have become huge I just I, I hope that this is her breakthrough moment because it sounds like it to me it's wild that this is her technically her first album. You know, she's had a string of EPs. She's been around for years. She's been nominated for multiple Grammys for multiple projects. But this, in a, in a way, even though the title kind of indicates like Jaguar 2, like it's a sequel to some other album, it's a sequel to an EP. This is, this is her full-length debut. Yeah. I think the fact that <laughs> it is labeled the debut tells you how confident she is in this music. Like, it, it is a sequel to an EP, like it does come as a progression. She is so assured in these songs that it, it couldn't be anything else but a debut album, I feel like. It's sort of funny, she has talked so much about becoming a mother this cycle, which is the big change in her life since uh, 2020's Jaguar, um, that I expected this record to be a lot more about motherhood. But really, she has talked specifically about how that experience has changed her music in rounding out her tone. And I agree that she sounds fuller here, and she sounds more confident as a result. Obviously, to Ayana's point about Silk Sonic, 70s soul is a strong influence here. It's a really interesting record that I think finds the center of like everything that she's done as sort of this like traveler behind the scenes in the music industry. You mentioned her extensive resume despite this being a debut record. And it feels like she has taken everything that she's done along that journey and put it into this record, which I think is probably one of the best R&B soul records of the year. That's Victoria Monet. Her new album is Jaguar 2. Next up is Bebel Gilberto. Her new album is called Joao. This track is called Desafinado. Meu 
comportamento You know, it's, this is a difficult thing to do because for folks who don't know, Babel Gilberto did an album in honor of her father, who is Jao Gilberto, that's the name of the album, uh, who passed away in 2019 after like this magnificent 70-year career. And he's sort of credited with being the father, if not the, the godfather of Bossa Nova from Brazil. And, you know, I always approach Bossa Nova as, like, I don't want to put it in a museum right? Because it's such a, a classic bit of music. But there are so many different ways to hear and listen and find new things in the music, either from the classic recordings or people who are, are making new versions of these songs. Desafinado is, like, I've played it many, many times in jazz trios and quartets over the years. It's a landmark melody and composition. But when you talk to the, the piano players, guitar players that I play with, that's the magic, because they find it's such a perfectly constructed song that there are so many different ways to dive into this and explore it and find something new each time. And you have to be, you have to be a critical listener to go beyond the, the surface of what Bossa Nova is to really appreciate and to really appreciate how somebody like Babel Gilberto has been able to carry that torch, but also, in this case, just dig deep down into her father's music. And one of the things I really wonder is if she feels any closer or has a deeper understanding of her dad having digged specifically into her mu his music. And that's what I think is one of the, the great things of this album, is that it's, it's such a, a rumination. It's not like his greatest hits. It's more like, you know, this is some of the stuff that speak to me and I find different meaning in it. And it, that's what makes this a really good record. Uh, there's something really interesting about a child channeling a parent through music. I think about Nancy Sinatra seeing Nice and Easy or the Natalie Cole album Unforgettable. There are so many staples in Bossa Nova that it isn't uncommon to hear the same song across discographies to Felix Point. But listening to this album, you really get a sense of her familiarity with her dad's performances in particular. Uh, she sounds so in tune with the songs, how they best suit her voice, but how to honor his interpretations of them as well. At times, it felt so intimate to me that I'm like, should I even be listening to these? Felt a bit like eavesdropping on a private moment between the two of them, especially with him gone. There's like this very spiritual aspect to it, her channeling him through these songs. But I'm glad she chose to share them because there's such a tenderness to each and every one of these tributes to him. Yeah, speaking of intimacy, I love how kind of spare the arrangements are all. It's really just centered on the voice and maybe guitar and maybe just a little extra. But I think in general, like what I appreciated to Sheldon's point, 
is sort of that conversation that feels like is happening. I, another person that I think about is Layla Hathaway when she does material that Donnie originally sang. It just tears my heart out of my chest <laughs> for lots of different reasons. But I think that there's a way that that sort of interpretation has so much more weight to it than maybe someone else's because of the sort of influence, the outsized influence that a parent like that might have on someone in, in the same field. I, th- I think you, you hit on such an interesting point about this record. I mean, Bibel Gilberto has been singing and performing since she was a very, very, very young child. And you know, her entire life has been spent, you know, steeped in this music. And obviously, like, she not only has that the parent-child bond that she's able to draw on here, but just such deep, 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 deep musical knowledge. I think it really lends, uh, I think, Ayana, maybe you used the word tenderness. That just really, really comes out in these performances. At the same time as, you know, Bossa Nova is so is so breezy and transportive. I I love the fact that you're being transported to another place. You're in this this kind of soft, lilting, beautiful, breezy place, but you're able to tap into emotions underneath that in really beautiful ways. Babel Gilberto's new album is Joao. We've got a few more records we want to play for New Music Friday, but first, let's take a quick break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. It's New Music Friday from NPR and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson. We are looking at some of the best new albums out today, August 25th. Next up is Danger Mouse and Gemini. Their latest and very long-awaited album together is called Born Again. This track is Locked Up. Working with grams Till I saw them hunters turning to grams Uh, 
and fiends and rocks and pots and pans. Fiends apply my dreams are only lots of plots. Hey, yo, a certain kind of rap fan was really excited when it was announced that this long shelved record would finally get to see the light of day. In 2003, the renowned polyglot producer Danger Mouse and the rapper Gemini released an album called Ghetto Pop Life that matched the former's flair for the cinematic with the latter's sort of meat and potatoes lyricism. Their follow-up was made in 2004, but was never heard and was put in a vault and presumably was supposed to never be released. But thankfully, why this it, it, it's kind of hard to understand after hearing it. It, it, yeah. really, it feels like you really get to see this bond deepening. I feel like this record is a progression on Ghetto Pop Life in almost every way. Uh, and it's funny because you listen to the album now and a lot of it feels prescient. I mean, the very title, Born Again, Beyond predicting rap's obsession with the artist Basquiat several years before <laughs> its moment, it seemed to foresee its own trajectory. I mean, both of the duo's records have a lot of rapping about rapping, but the title track leans directly into this idea of getting a second life in rap, and that's what's sort of happening. Reemergence is going to introduce a lot of people not only to this record but the previous one. It feels sort of like a time capsule in a way because at the cusp of this sort of moment in 2004, you have the pop rap conversation happening. There is this big underground versus mainstream debate happening. And a lot of this sort of feels representative of that conversation. Gemini raps a lot about the state of things, but I think that also in its own way remains prescient as we have we are here on the cusp of an even bigger breakthrough rap in a global conversation. And it's sort of interesting how this music exists in two times at once, sort of in the midst of that conversation, but also in our current moment still has a lot to say about the state of rap music in general. I think it's so interesting because I remember when the first record came out and I don't remember there being buzz about another record coming. I don't know if I'm going to let people inside the making of the sausage here. I don't read the notes until after I hear the album, if that makes sense, because I want to hear it first and then read for context. And so I was like, huh, this sounds like if they did an album right after. <laughs> I think the sound at that time felt very future forward in a lot of ways it definitely was like forward facing when it came out and so like to that end I do think it actually aged pretty well I don't know that it could really pass for being a quote unquote modern modern record, yeah. but yeah it's it's not a record of no. now but it doesn't feel dated well, that's because there's enough like aughts sounding recordings that are being released right now that it almost right, right, kind right. of has that vibe chance to be born again you've got 
got to find yourself. You got to find your voice. You got one life to live. Live it. You got to make your choice. Have you lived your life? Been up on some so right that you feel like All right, well, Danger Mouse and Gemini's new album is Born Again. We're going to close this week's show with a lightning round, but first, one more pick. Miguel Zinan and Luis Perdomo have a new album called El Arte del Bolero, Volume 2. This track is called Paula C. You know, it's interesting because it's coming off the conversation about Danger Mouse and Gemini and and hip-hop and, and rap and the history that you guys just laid down. This is what Miguel Zenon does best, right? This is his thing. He's part of this wave of musicians who are going back to their own countries and rediscovering their roots, but interpreted through jazz and the jazz quartet or the jazz trio. The Arte de Bolero is the volume, second volume of an album they did back in 2021. And in this particular cut, Paula Se, it's an old Ruben Blades tune. And this is, it was, like, it's very, very slowed down. It's deconstructed. It's like they pulled all the molecules apart and then put them back together and left some of the stuff on the drawing table. Like this is a way to interpret the songbook, the Latin American songbook, and you have to include Ruben Blades in that because his catalog is so deep. I just love the way that they approach it and just make us think about expression from Latin America, and in this case, the Afro-Caribbean, in a different way. Luis Perdomo's from the Dominican Republic, Miguel Zenon's from Puerto Rico. They're of the same mind. They're like the other half of each other's heartbeat. And this album, the whole thing, and the first volume, and just about all of Miguel Zenon's work is all about exploring Latin culture, Latin music, Latin identity, but through jazz. The other part I'd add is they particularly wanted to not just do Caribbean music in the exploration, so they found musicians from other parts of the Latin diaspora. And in general, I think, you know, reading about how their goal was to sort of expand the Latin songbook, so to speak, or dig deep into the songbook, I should say. It reminds me of my conversation with Terry Lynn Carrington, who did the the whole, like, real book concept with all just female or female identifying musicians. I, I think just this sort of reckoning with the breadth and depth of composers out there that don't really get their shine, I think that's happening across music. But in jazz in particular, I think is something that 
I can definitely get behind. I love it. I think it's beautiful music policy in general. I was very familiar with the Louis Ramirez version. And so this version made me think much more closely about the composition itself, you know, which I think was the point, right? To really just showcase the songwriting and the musicianship, you know? I mean, it's duos, right? Which is a very sort of pure way to experience a track and experience a song. Well, they really let so much air into these arrangements in in just such beautiful, beautiful ways that these are kind of slow and contemplative and, and, and languid pieces that really let the air be part of the sound in ways that really allow you to fixate on the melodies and get lost in them. I, I just thought this was a beautiful, beautiful record. I, I kind of just kept kept putting it on and not wanting to t- not wanting to take it off. When we cover music, we have to be very thoughtful about like who we talk about with new records because you want to make room for everybody. But every time Miguel Zidane puts out a new record, man, it's like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to talk about it. You got to call attention to it because he's just, he's that prolific, but he's also that insightful. And it's, all the projects that he works on and just always shine like that. Yeah, and he doesn't cover the same ground twice. So, so each new record still feels like an event, even if it's a sequel to a, to a record with the same title. That's Miguel Sinon and Luis Perdomo. Their new album is El Arte del Bolero, Volume 2. We couldn't get to every worthwhile album out August 25th, so let's do a quick lightning round of some of the other big releases out today. Ayana, kick us off. Betty Davis put, is putting out, well, they're releasing... Um, Crashing from Passion, which originally was only released as sort of a bootleg. And so this is the first really true proper release of this album. It was recorded in 1979. It actually is his, her last recording, like studio recording, before she sort of retired from the recording scene. It, you know, it's interesting because speaking of records, we spoke earlier about an album that was shelved. This one, too, was shelved. I think it didn't find its place based on the label that had commissioned it. It should have come out on Island in like 1980 because it's got this sort of left field, no wave R&B vibe. It's got like all stars and just the backup vocalist alone, Martha Reeves, Anita Pointer, Patrice Chocolate Banks from like Larry Graham's band. It's just incredible. And I don't know. It's a cool vibe. Thank you, Ayana Felix. Give us, a, give us a lightning round pick. The artist known as Maluma has a new record out, and he's on this exhaustive world tour, and it speaks to his place in the music right now. His new album is called Don Juan. Me 
thanks to the younger people that I hang out with at NPR Music, I'm talking about you, Anna. I'm learning a lot more about the current state of pop music because, you know, I can be kind of old and fuddy-duddy sometimes with my head in the sand, you know, like not listening to stuff. But he's one of these artists that catches my attention because it's just so exciting, so dynamic. And there are certain artists that they're at a point in their career where they're mature now. They're not the young pop stars anymore. They're mature and they have different things to say, like we talked a little bit earlier about parenthood and all that. That's one of the things I enjoy covering the music right now is watching these artists mature and hear how their expression changes along the way. So Maluma's new record, I think, is something to listen to, to pay attention to because it's catching my ear. Thank you, Felix. Sheldon, give us your lightning round pick. Yeah, my lightning round pick, I've got to go back a week because it's all I've been listening to is Mick Jenkins's The Patience. Hey, speakers knock, but I didn't get it by my lonely lighters up. I got to burn one for the homies that forever stay. Down since the only island that we seen was stony water. Murky, that shit felt more like the Everglades. High rises built just like Section 8. Nearly eight years after the release of his first EP, Waves, the Chicago rapper really makes good on his promise with a super sharp record about growth and composure that seems to embody the lessons it seeks to impart. Thank you, Sheldon Pierce. For my pick, I'm going to go with a project called Strawberry Runners. first heard Strawberry Runners when I was putting together a South by Southwest playlist all the way back in 2015. They were kind of this totally new name at the, at the time. And it's actually taken this long for them to release a full-length album. The band is really just one person named Emmy Knight, who wrote the record after they went through a breakup, a loss of housing, uh, the attempted suicide of a loved one. The album is self-titled, and it's full of really profound bedroom pop that really sticks with you. This, uh, this song is called Look Like This. All right, that'll do it for New Music Friday. Ayana Contreras, Felix Contreras, Sheldon Pierce, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. If you want to hear all the music we've featured on this week's show, along with a bunch of other great new music out today, we've got expanded playlists in Apple Music and on Spotify. Search for NPR's New Music Friday playlist in either of those apps. Don't forget to bookmark the Now Playing blog at NPR Music. That's packed with song recommendations that'll help you stay caught up on great new music. You'll also want to sign up for NPR Music's weekly newsletter. I write it these days, so signing up is mandatory. To subscribe, go to npr.org slash music. Music newsletter. I work way too hard for you not to subscribe. This week's show has been produced and edited by Janice Yamoka and Robin Hilton from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson, encouraging you to be well, take a break, and treat yourself to lots of great music. You look like this.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Dignity Memorial. When your celebration of life is prepaid today, your family is protected tomorrow. Planning ahead is truly one of the best gifts you can give your family. For additional information, visit DignityMemorial.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How, how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.